Hello, I'm Noel Lim on Asian Speaks by Maybank. Amid relentless sell-off in the markets, our analysts discuss the opportunities in fixed income, Indonesian and Philippines equities, and a Malaysian ESG stock portfolio to capture the upside. Suhaimi Ilyas, Group Chief Economist, speaks to them. Good morning, Monday, 3rd of October. Uh, let's start with the usual roundup of last week. Uh, global equity market ended lower last week with MSCI World Index down 2.5%, MSCI Asia X Japan fell almost 4%, and S&P 500 dropped almost 3%, uh, mainly amid <clears throat> turmoil in UK financial markets, reflecting negative reactions uh, to UK mini-budget stimulus announcement by Prime Minister Liz Truss, government consisting of large tax cuts, energy subsidies, and sizable borrowing that forced Bank of England uh, to purchase long-dated UK government bonds to stabilise uh, the market. At the same time, uh, major Western central banks are on auction mode. Uh, US core personal consumption expenditures, or PCE, price index, widely seen as Fed's preferred inflation measure, rose by a higher-than-expected 4.9% year-on-year in August from 4.7% year-on-year in July, signalling US Fed still have some way to go on rate hikes to tame inflation. Uh, Bank of England chief economist said UK government's fiscal policy and the adverse market reactions that included pressures on pound sterling will require a significant monetary response at its next meeting in early November, suggesting potential ratcheting up of rate hike from previous two rounds of 50 basis point increases. Uh, ECB President Lagarde said the central bank will continue hiking interest rates in the next several meetings while several governors of ECB member central banks contemplate another 75 basis point rate hikes uh, this month. Uh, US Treasury 10-year yield uh, last week briefly breached 4% for the first time since 2008. Uh, Currency worry remains as strengthening US dollar continued to weigh on market sentiment and forcing major uh, Asian central banks, namely Bank of Japan and uh, PBOC, to intervene. Uh, BOJ reportedly spent a record 3 trillion Japanese yen or 21 billion US dollar in FX market intervention uh, last week. And if yuan fell more than 11% against the dollar this year, on track to record its biggest annual loss since 1994, uh, officials step up efforts to slow the currency slide. Last week, uh, PBOC imposed a 20% reserve requirement ratio for FX derivative sales and warned market participants against betting on the yuan currency. Uh, China's foreign exchange regulator also vowed to crack down on fake FX transactions. Uh, the previous week, PBOC asked state-owned banks to prepare themselves to defend the yuan by selling dollars from their foreign exchange holdings. Um, Flash composite PMIs for US, Eurozone, UK remain below 50 in September, signaling contractions in economic activities and are just barely above 50 in Japan and Australia. Um, I think another thing to highlight is uh, Russia-Ukraine conflict escalated further as uh, Russia President Vladimir Putin signed accession treaties formalizing Russia's annexation of four occupied regions in the Ukraine while the vital Nord Stream pipeline supplying gas from Russia to Europe suffered leaks, allegedly due to sabotage. Uh, Data-wise, this week, we will have inflation numbers for Japan, 
Indonesia and Thailand and string of PMIs data for US, Eurozone, uh, UK, Japan and China. Uh, on air with us today are Hakbin, Juye and Brian to talk through Singapore, Thailand and Vietnam's macro and monetary policy. Uh, Winston on fourth quarter fixed income outlook. Anand on the sustainability research report. And we have uh, Jeff joining us to talk about uh, Philippines and Indonesia's market. Uh, let's start with Harbin. Uh, Harbin, um, Singapore's August industrial production posted second straight month of sub 1% year on year growth. And with data for the first two months of the quarter out, what is your expectation on the advanced estimate of last quarter's uh, GDP to be out next week? Hey, hi, morning. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, so, that's right. Manufacturing growth decelerated again to 11 month low in August. It was just 0.5%. That's down. Or from the 0.8% in July, so two months of uh, below 1%. And the drag was really from the electronics side. It contracted 7.8%, and that's the second contraction, uh, second consecutive amount of contraction. And a lot of components uh, you know, fell back quite a bit, including semiconductors, uh, consumer electronics, computer peripherals, data storage, all that was all in contraction. Uh, chemicals as well uh, fell minus 11%. Uh, there were a few bright spots, but like transport engineering, but that's not enough essentially to uh, offset, I think, the contraction. So we are now looking for a uh, probable technical recession in Singapore, uh, looking at flash the quarter GDP growth of 2.2% year on year, but actually it's a quarter on quarter contraction, 0.6%. Uh, so that would be two consecutive months of contraction for Singapore, which, you know, uh, it's a technical, there's the definition of technical recession. Um, electronics PMI has also fallen below 50 for Singapore. Uh, so uh, we are expecting, uh, you know, um, the government when they come out with the MES uh, decision um, that the MTI may revise down their growth forecast from a current 3 to 4%. Our current forecast is 2.8%. Um, is there a likelihood of technical recession? Yes, uh, we think a technical recession is probably going to materialize in the third quarter, uh, defined as two consecutive quarters of uh, Q and Q contraction. So with that in mind, um, you know, another key Singapore macro event this month is Monetary Authority's policy review. Are we going to see fifth round of policy tightening by mass or would mass kind of held back given uh, the specter of, uh, you know, a, down, a bigger downturn in the economy? So I guess the MES faces a dilemma. On one side, uh, there's a risk of technical recession. On the other side, inflation uh, pressures remains uh, pretty intense. So I think we, MES will probably opt for a um, uh, for recentering of the same year to the prevailing level. So another you know um, tightening, but we don't think they will do a double move, meaning they will not steepen the slope at the same time as a recentering, given the risk of a technical recession. The MES doesn't start a date, but it's probably going to be the 14th of October. And uh, been another facet of inflation in Singapore is property price inflation. Has there been any move by authorities to deal with this? So the recent move, the government has uh, um, tightened some of, some of the rules again. Uh, the main one, I would say, is probably the adjustment in the interest rates used to count to calculate what we call the TDSR, the total debt servicing ratios and the mortgage servicing ratios. Uh, that could raise roughly the required installment payments, uh, the down payment by roughly about five to 6% for 
many uh, buyers. Um, the other uh, big move is actually uh, not allowing some of the um, sellers of the private property to, uh, to switch to HDB immediately. Uh, so now there's a longer cooling period. Uh, this could actually, um, I guess, take, over, take away some of the steam out of the HDB resale market. But ironically, I think it could increase the rent pressure on the private side since the, you know, the folks who sell will have to, to find a place in the interim before they are allowed to you know, go back and buy on the HDB resale market. So there are some uh, reactions, but I think um, uh, the government's probably mindful of not overreacting and not, uh, you know, not changing at least some of, the, some of the stamp duty rules and so on. We should expect the MAS to continue to hike the guidance on the interest rates that's used for the TDSL when the Fed keeps on hiking. So now the move is from 35 to 4%, but if mortgage rates keep on climbing, uh, then I don't, won't be surprised if they keep on raising it to uh, 4.5 or 5%. We're expecting the mortgage rates in Singapore to touch 4.5% by year, end of this year and possibly 5% uh, middle of next year simply based on the Fed's uh, latest hawkish dot plots. Right. Uh, thanks, Abin. Uh, um on Thailand, Bank of Thailand uh, raised interest rate for the second straight meeting by 25 bips to 1%, but this was below your expectation of a 50 basis point hike. Uh, what's BOT justification for its decision? And in your opinion, is BOT right in being the least hawkish ASEAN central banks to date? Uh, morning, so I am here. Morning, everyone. Uh, yep, so the BOT in a unanimous vote uh, rose uh, its policy rate by 25 bips, and the committee was of the view that a gradual uh, policy normalization is appropriate uh, given the overall growth and inflation outlook. Uh, in terms of growth, Thailand is lagging behind the rest of ASEAN. And also its uh, household debt at 88% of GDP in the second quarter is among the highest in the region. Uh, and Thailand's inflation has not been uh, demand-driven like that in the US. Uh, in my opinion, a 25 bips hike may not be sufficient to support the BUD, which is hovering at 16-year lows against the USD. Uh, and the weakness in the currency may be sustained with uh, current account deficit staying wide at $3.5 billion in August uh, due to the uh, wide goods trade deficit. Um, how do you see the overall outlook for Thai economy and uh, Bank of Thailand's interest rate policy path going forward? Yeah, we are maintaining our GDP growth forecast at 3.2% for this year. Uh, that's slightly lower than uh, BOT's revised forecast of 3.3%. A uh, continued recovery in the tourism sector should drive growth in the second half of the year. Uh, Thailand lifted the last of its pandemic-era uh, travel restrictions on 30th of September. Uh, it waived the proof of vaccination for entry and also ended the nationwide COVID-19 emergency decree. And tourist arrivals have climbed to around 5.3 million visit, uh, year, year to date as of the 21st of September. And it's on track to reach the government's target of 10 million for the entire year. Uh, we expect growth to pick up to 3.8% next year. Uh, that's similar to BOT's forecast uh, as tourist arrivals continue to rise. Uh, on the policy rate, we expect the BOT to hike by another 25 bips in the final meeting for this year on, in November and another 25 bips in the first quarter of next year. Uh, that would bring the terminal rate to 1.5% uh, as the tourism recovery gains momentum and also helps to boost the current account balance. Uh, 
Uh, we also, uh, we expect VOT to post uh, after the first quarter of next year on account of a global growth slowdown. Um, the last Friday, Thailand's Constitutional Court ruled PM's uh, prior had not exceeded the maximum eight years allowed in office. So clearing the way for him to return to office after a five-week suspension. I guess there won't be much by way of material economic impact between now and the election on 7 May next year. But anything to share about the upcoming election? Are we looking at return of elected civilian government or you want to see a continuation of military-backed government? Yep, so uh, Prayut will return to office today uh, as the court ruled that his uh, prime ministerial term started from April 2017. So this allows him to remain the leader until 2025 if he's uh, selected to lead the ruling coalition again and if that party returns to power. Uh, for now, uh, election rules still favour the military back group to retain power in the next election. Uh, but having said that, it will have to find a strong candidate uh, if it face, as it faces stiff competition against the uh, futile party. Uh, Prior's popularity has been falling uh, over in, since last year. And uh, based on recent polls by the uh, National Institute of Development Administration, uh, the futile party topped the poll uh, as the favorite uh, party to win the election for around 34% of respondents. Uh, followed by no party at 24%, and, also, and thirdly, the youth-oriented uh, opposition move forward party. Um, as for PM candidate, there's still no clear uh, favourite person. Uh, most, voter, most voters, around 24%, think there is no suitable candidate, uh, up from 19% in the June poll. Uh, Thaksin's daughter, uh, Petong Tan Sinawatra, is leading the poll, but support for her also uh, fell to 21.6% from the previous 25.3%. Whereas, uh, as I mentioned, support for Prayut uh, fell for the fourth straight quarter to just 10% uh, from the previous 11.7%. Right, uh, move to Vietnam. Uh, Brian, Vietnam's third quarter GDP unsurprisingly surged to 13.7% year on year, from 7.8% year on year in the second queue. Is the economy firing on all cylinders or was growth last quarter mainly a function of a base effect reflecting sharp rebounds in some sectors and industries from the contractions in third quarter last year? Yeah, morning, so I mean, uh, morning everyone. Yeah, so I think it's a combination of both. So um, base effect did indeed play a part in the unprecedented uh, third quarter of 2022 growth uh, with GDP in the third quarter of 2021 shrinking by 6% year on year. Uh, if there had been no contraction in the third quarter of last year, we estimate that GDP growth would have been significantly lower at around 6.5% instead of 13.7% as was recorded. Uh, base effects aside, the economy continued to recover steadily due to um, robust demand. The services sector led with a 19% growth owing to improving tourist arrivals during the July to August uh, peak tourist season, as well as uh, robust domestic consumption boosted by reopening and a recovering labor market. The manufacturing sector was underpinned by robust external demand led by exports to the US. So I mean. How do you see the economy doing this quarter and next year? Yeah, I think that slowing external demand will show up more discernibly in the growth 
figures going forward um, as the very favorable base effects in the third quarter dispute. Preliminary trade data suggests that uh, merchandise export growth weakened in September with electronics being the main drag amid slump in global demand for smartphones and other personal electronic products. For the fourth quarter of 2022, I'm expecting real GDP growth to decline to around 5.7%. In 2023, I'm expecting around 6% GDP growth as compared to 8% this year, uh, owing to rising recessionary risks in key export markets, US and the EU on aggressive uh, monetary policy tightening, as well as supply disruption from the Russia-Ukraine war. So, I mean. um, lastly, the State Bank of Vietnam raised interest rates by 100 basis points, I think on 22nd September. Uh, is that enough to stabilize the currency? I mean, it's, you know, hawkish Fed feeding US dollar strength. Yeah, so the Vietnam dong has continued to depreciate further against the USD uh, since, the, since the 100 basis points rate hike. As of uh, 2nd October, it has lost a further 0.7%, taking its uh, year-to-date depreciation to 4.8%. Although that said, the uh, Vietnam Dong performance this year is still better than a lot of other Asian currencies. Ultimately, like the rest of the emerging market currencies, Vietnam Dong is not immune to US dollar strength amid the hawkish Fed rate hike cycle as well as tightening US dollar liquidity. But in addition to raising policy rates, the uh, State Bank of Vietnam has other instruments to support the currency, namely selling US dollars from its foreign exchange reserves, which amount to around 100 billion US dollars, uh, as well as uh, open market operations to withdraw Vietnam dong liquidity and indirectly raise interbank interest rates. These instruments will continue to be utilized actively. But we believe that this 100 basis points rate hike won't be the last that we see from the SBV. Um, further interest rate hikes will be needed to mitigate uh, the persistent depreciation pressures and the risk of exacerbating imported inflation that comes with it. Uh, we are expecting another 50 basis points of uh, interest rate hikes next year, likely within the first half. So I'm Thanks, uh, Brian. Bringing in Winston, uh, release a note on fourth Q fixed income uh, outlook. Uh, Winston, first and foremost, how has bond market globally performed so far this year and what are the key drivers and dynamics? Hi, good morning, Jaime. Um, It's been a very challenging year for bonds, especially over the past uh, one month, like most asset prices. And using the word challenging is probably an understatement to describe the performance this year because year to date, if you look at the uh, total return, US treasuries is down by more than 12%. Uh, it's with the worst on record. And US investment grade corporates actually perform worse. Um, it is down by 18% because in addition to the rates sell off, the credit spreads actually widen. So UK was actually the worst. Uh, UK government bond total return at one point was down by more than 30% year to date. And this is even before we include FX performance because the pound sterling was down by almost 20%. And the key drivers are actually uh, hawkish Fed, uh, global synchronized tightening by central banks that led to a significant repricing uh, in a number of asset prices uh, or most asset prices, including equities, although less for high yield credits. If the Fed indeed hike rate to 4.6% as projected in its forward guidance, 
uh, the total increase of 450 bits uh, is going to be the most forceful tightening cycle since the 1980s, uh, since the Paul Walker era when the US inflation was running at 10, 15%. But if we look at the relative performance, uh, EM Asia bonds actually outperform because of divergence where regional central banks like BNM, Bank Indonesia, they have not been as aggressive and they are not expected to be tightening as aggressive as the Fed. So just for comparison, bond dollar return in local currency, China is actually up 3.5% yesterday because of the PPOC cut rate. Uh, India and Indonesia almost flat and Malaysia is down by uh, about uh, 2% yesterday, uh, better than what we see in the DM rates market. Um, what's your view on the directions of US Treasury and MGS yields this quarter next year? And how should investors position in this volatile market conditions? Uh, in the near term, I think bond yield um, can be anywhere. Having seen the kind of volatility uh, over the past few weeks or, or the month, the market trade on momentum, it can overshoot. And the treasury market currently is very, very volatile, extremely volatile. If you look at the move index, which measure US treasury volatility, the current levels are actually comparable with crisis level. Uh, like COVID crisis and also during the dot-com bubble. Uh, so no question, the number one priority of the Fed now is to fight inflation because US inflation is too high, the job market is too tight. They don't have any other option. But I think there are risks that uh, the Fed will end up over-tightening and not only cause a recession in the US, but it could be much deeper than what the market currently anticipates. So I think in general, the market has priced in a lot of risk for rates and for duration but not for credit. For example, if you look at the US high yield corporate spreads on average, uh, they are still trading lower than the peak in June, in July, and that seems a bit too optimistic to me. And credit sentiment can actually deteriorate on a lag basis uh, on fast, aggressive Fed tightening. So I think government bond yields in terms of the outlook, uh, treasuries and MGS, uh, I think the yield can actually fall uh, over the next three to six months if the US financial uh, conditions actually tighten. For Malaysia, I think real money institutional investors with holding power, uh, this sell-off actually has opened up a second window of opportunity to buy a long durations. And I do think that uh, MGS long duration uh, provides an ideal hedge in ringgit asset allocation against the risk of a US recession. Thanks, uh, Winston. Anand, on the uh, MIBG sustainable research note, uh, dated 27th September, titled Malaysia ESG portfolio refresh. What are the highlights and key takeaways uh, from the report? Yeah, hi, good morning, guys. Uh, so, you know, I guess the, the whole idea behind this report was to see whether there was a causal link or a correlation, at least, between high ESG scores and stock outperformance. Uh, this really builds on the work that uh, Jigger did at the ASEAN level uh, with his report in August uh, 12th. And, you know, for the ASEAN report, the correlation was, was not so great. It was, it, was, it was relatively weak. You know, we looked at uh, 86 filtered stocks that we cover, and the filters being you know, uh, low to medium ESG risk ratings, decent quality of management, uh, and low level of controversies. Those three filters, 86 stocks in our coverage across ASEAN satisfied that. But you know, while they outperformed the MSCI ASEAN index, uh, they didn't really outperform our broader coverage uh, or even Sustainalytics uh, broader coverage. However, as this report shows, 
when we look at Malaysia in isolation, uh, the 31 stocks that satisfy the, the filter that I just mentioned, they were much more uh, tangible in terms of outperformance versus not just the benchmark, but also uh, the broader uh, coverage universe. To take it one more level, you know, uh, as per the title, we took this opportunity to refresh our ESG portfolio as well. And there are 15 stocks in our ESG portfolio. We back tested the performance of those 15 stocks or the 15 stocks you see at the bottom of the screen here. And these stocks outperformed everyone really, both the benchmark as well as the broader 31 stocks in Malaysia that uh, you know, are past the filter as well. So conclusion, uh, Swami, is two things. One, ESG does matter or it appears to matter in terms of correlation between solid ESG scores and stock car performance. And two, and perhaps more importantly for you know, uh, bottom-up research, bottom-up analyst contributions to ESG picks also matters because for the 15 stocks we picked, we didn't just use the filters, but we also used the quantitative ESG 2.0 Tash Heap scores that we have just rolled out uh, since uh, two months ago. Uh, for all our stocks. And you know that is a key input in picking these 15 stocks as well. So both uh, ESG's top-down scores, as well as bottom-up analysts, uh, quantitative and qualitative assessments matter in terms of performance. So we got a stock that you would recommend as a must-have in a Malaysia ESG portfolio? Yeah, I think when you look at this uh, 15 stock portfolio, you will notice a couple of things. It's very balanced, both in terms of risk scoring it's also very balanced in terms of core business uh, diversity. So, you know, if, if, if we could do it, we would go for the whole portfolio because it provides diversification as well as a solid overall uh, score. But I think when you look at the individual scores, uh, you know, the ones that score very high on our own MIBG ESG score, which is the second last column you see there, the banks do score high there. You know, Hong Leong Bank is, is something that scores very high. Sunway Group. Yinsen is a great transition play. It's an oil and gas stock now, but it's investing heavily in green technologies and green assets. So, you know, we expect that value creation to come through as it switches more and more into green uh, investments. Uh, and something like, you know, uh, Burma's Auto and, and Gamuda as well, <laughs> we think would be quite good picks for any ESG portfolio. Hey, thanks, uh, Anand. Uh, let's move to... Um... Indonesia and Philippines are equity, but uh, we, maybe we start with Jeff first. Um, Jeff, Indonesia stock market is up, I think, 5.6% year-to-date. I mean, this is in stark contrast to the year-to-date declines in other ASEAN markets. So do you think there's more upside to the market given the steady growth momentum and outlook, but rising inflation that prompted Bank Indonesia to turn more hawkish on policy tightening of late? I mean, what is your outlook for Indonesia's equity? Good morning, uh, Saimi. My outlook on, the, on JCI is that uh, we recommend our clients to take profits. Uh, we think that with the US uh, Federal Reserve still uh, remain uh, hawkish. Uh, and, and also after the BI uh, rate hike, we think going forward, there will be uh, earnings uh, downgrades. And also uh, right now, uh, JCI index is currently trading at a forward Bloomberg consensus uh, earnings at 16.1 times, which is around the 10 years mean. So it's no longer cheap. So at, at, actually, we recommend uh, our clients to take profit. Uh, but for the 2023 uh, outlook that we are quite op uh, optimistic, we have a year-end target next year at 8,050. Uh, we think that by 
by first half, uh, US Federal Reserve might be less hawkish. And also, uh, Indonesia economy will be likely to decouple from US uh, recessions. And JCS uh, uh, should be riding on the, on the EV battery uh, narrative. On top of that, we think that with the election, the pre-election spending will boost the, the economy, especially the second half. Uh, but tactically, we, we recommend our investors to remain cautious and only buy on weakness. We, we prefer to go long on consumer staples names like ICBP, Mayora, and Calpe, and also a telco uh, operator, uh, a telco. And we only recommend a buy on weakness on the big banks, the BBRI, uh, BNI and, and Bank Mandiri. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Uh, let's move on uh, to Jackie. Uh, Jackie, Philippines is like the opposite extreme of Indonesia. Markets down 15% year to date uh, on factors like high inflation, aggressive uh, rate hike by the central bank, weak peso, uh, that I guess dominate investor sentiment and market flows. But is Philippines market ripe enough for investors uh, picking? Where do you see the low-hanging fruits in terms of sectors and stocks? Hi, good morning, Sohaimi. Um, so yes, definitely. Uh, the market weakness is actually spotlighting the opportune buying window for high-growth mode stocks. Um, out of the 41 names under coverage, 22 stocks are trading at more than 30% discounts to their five-year mean valuations. And of this 22, 17 have 2022 20, to 2024 above average earnings figures of 14 to 60%. Um, and further of this, um, 17, six, be, uh, six are actually, uh, six belong to our country and sector top date list. So um, these six screaming buy stocks are our uh, are top mobility picks, SM and GP Capital, our preferred telco, property, and consumer picks, uh, PLDT or TEL, um, Ayala Land and BNL, and our transport stock, um, ICT. So all of these names are consistent value creators with positive enterprise value adds uh, and with strong economic moats arising from their market leaderships and or niche positions. Right. Thanks, uh, Jackie. Sorry, I have to cut it at this point. Uh, we already 8.30. Uh, just one more thing to highlight this Friday, uh, Malaysia will table its uh, 2023 budget. Uh, that's it for today. Uh, thank you very much and have a good way ahead. Get specific advice from your financial advisor or trading rep. Check out our Maybank Trade app and also follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Tune in next Monday for our analysis on Malaysia's budget 2023. I'm Noel Lim on ASEAN Speaks by Maybank.